0: Well, that song by Imagine Dragons and poem by James reminds us that suffering can powerfully push us in two opposite directions. For some, it pushes them away from God, concluding there can't be an all powerful, loving God and all this suffering, too. But for others, it propels them toward God, seeking resolve, seeking answers. It makes them a believer. You know, over the years, we've asked Austin in surveys, why don't you believe? And one of the most common concerns is the one we're addressing today. Here's how people have said it. If there truly is a God who loves us, how can there be so much trouble, hate, crime, etc. in the world? Someone else said, if God exists and God is all loving, why does he allow us to suffer? Another said, terrible things happen to innocent people, especially small children. I watched my mom die a horrible death from cancer. Your, quote, loving God let her suffer for three years. How is that love? This is a very important question. And the one, honestly, that causes people to go one way or the other the most. And and you know what? The thing is, it's not just a philosophical answer. Right? Because if you're feeling that pain, there is no answer I can give you that will take it away. And if that is you today and you're in that pain and you're suffering, all I can say is how sorry I am and that you're not alone. And it, this, what I'm going to tell you today is not just theoretical to me either. You know, I watched my, my dad slowly die of cancer, I was not a believer. I watched him literally wither away until my mom and I had to roll him over in bed. And then he passed away. And then I watched my mom try to raise my sister as a single mom. I watched people take advantage of her financially because they knew they could. And they knew they could get away with it. I watched her start to, to try to date. And her first date, she went out several times with this guy. They went dancing. And then he comes and drops dead on our kitchen floor from a heart attack. <laughs> and then years later, she, she takes the risk to love another man and falls in love with them, and they're going to get married. She says, would you mind getting a physical? <laughs> 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 he, he finds out he has to have emergency heart surgery. Four arteries were nine, Three arteries are 99% blocked. And because of the heart surgery, they discovered prostate cancer, and then she walked with him for the next about five years until he died of that. And yet my mom loved God and held on to him through it. The last 10 years, eight of those, I watched her slowly die of Alzheimer's. The most cruel death you can imagine. Until two years ago, she finally died. And it was bitter, but you know, it was also sweet, because there were times when God showed me how to love and care for her like she loved and cared for me. And there were times that were sweet, there were times that were even funny. You know, some, I remember one time, I, you know, as I, was, as I was caring for her, she looked at me with the sweetest smile, she said, you're such a loving, caring son. You are my son, aren't you? <laughs> you gotta laugh, right? Uh, uh, and here's the other one, you know, I, it's funny, like uh, assisted living places, they're like college dorms. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, you know, there are relationships and there's gossip. I, I walked into the Alzheimer's lockdown unit once and a guy was holding my mom's hand. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, it doesn't, I don't know, my mom, I guess she was a looker back then or something or pheromones, but guys were chasing her in the assisted living place, right? One time, I'm not kidding, uh, you know, there was this guy, Frank, and he was coming after. Her. He was there every day. And I call her up, and I said, hey, mom, what are you doing? She said, oh, just talking to a friend. I said, oh, is Frank there? She said, um, hold on a minute. Are you Frank? <laughs> like, unbelievable, right? But, you know, why do some things push some toward God and others away from God I don't fully know I don't fully know the answer to that but I want to tell you what I discovered that turned me toward faith because of watching my father suffering because you know as my father was dying I had a realization suffering happens period it just does you know, and and it actually led me to believe because I was starting from a place of disbelief. I didn't believe in God, but I found greater struggle from that place asking why suffering than I did from believing that God must exist. Because if you think about it, I started asking, why do we suffer if there is no God? Because if there is no God, there's no reason for this suffering. There is no ultimate good that comes from it. It will never be made right. Now, I knew the evolutionary perspective. I understood that. It's survival of the fittest. You know, and pain and suffering help us become stronger and survive. Right. But that still doesn't really make sense. Because insects have no pain receptors. They don't feel pain like we do. They haven't had any problem surviving. You had had any problem wishing there were more cockroaches or ants? No. Right? They don't feel pain. And of course, the greatest pain is emotional pain, pain caused by relational hurt. But that is absolutely not essential for the population of of the species. You know, love is not even needed for a procreation. It just complicates life. So the question I had to wrestle with is, what was wrong with evolution that the most highly evolved of all the creatures, humans, suffer more than the insects? It makes no sense at all. And you don't see, you know, you don't see insects with the struggle for purpose and meaning that humans have, right? You don't see cockroaches envious and despondent because they're not as strong as ants and they're so horribly ugly and they just want to kill themselves. You wish they'd say that, right? They don't. We do. We do that. And it's crazy. But even more troubling is why suffering bothers us so much. Why does it bother us? I mean, suffering happens. You've seen the bumper sticker, more graphically put, right? It's been consistent throughout all humanity for all time. If we're just a product of nature, why do we complain about something that has to be? Why? Why do the atheists, why does the atheist and the Christian complain about suffering unless it's a sign? Unless it's a sign that something's wrong. But the most troubling thought of all is that if there is no God, then all of this complaining about suffering is purposeless. There will never be any good that comes from it. Now, the biblical answer made much more sense to my question, why suffering? Let me tell you what I found that actually led me to faith as I watched my father die. First, evil and suffering are not God's will, ultimately. God's not the enemy. And you know, throughout scripture, for thousands of years, he's been telling us his motive is love. That that love is his ultimate motivation for creating us and even for allowing suffering and pain for a season. And that's key, it's only for a season. Now, it's hard to grasp how love and suffering would connect, but you know, throughout the 66 books of the Bible for thousands of years, God has been revealing that that is his motive so we wouldn't mistake him as the enemy. Because when we don't seek to know him, we do mistake him as the enemy. All the way back with Moses, Exodus 34, God said, I am the Lord, the merciful and gracious God. I'm slow to anger and rich in unfailing love and faithfulness. I show this unfailing love to many thousands by forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Love has been his motivation. The first of the 10 commandments was all about loving God and putting him first. The creed of Israel, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. God loves us and he wants our love back. And throughout the prophets, he talks, he uses every human relational metaphor so we can understand his heart. Look at what he said in Jeremiah 3. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I look forward to you calling me father. I thought you would never turn away from me again, but you betrayed me. Like a faithless wife who leaves her husband, says the Lord. See, God created us for love. And as hard as it is to understand, he feels pain when those he created for his love either ignore him or reject him. And the New Testament claims that Jesus was God's ultimate demonstration of that love, that he entered our suffering, that he suffered with us and for us. This is real love, 1 John 4 says. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins, to make it all right, ultimately. But if love is God's motive, you may ask, why is suffering even necessary? Well, I'm convinced the only way for God to create creatures truly capable of love is he had to create us free. I mean, think about it. You can't force love. You, can't go, you can go to some man or woman that you might like and hold a gun to their head and make them say, I love you. But that's not love, is it? No, you know it's not because love has to be free. And so God, to create us with the ability to love God, With the capacity to love, God has to create us with the equal and opposite capacity to reject God. And as a result, cause great evil and pain and suffering. See, think about it this way. You know, all of us want loving relationship, right? And and, and let's say in that desire that you went and got a robot dog, okay? Because you didn't want much pain. Alright? And so you get a robot dog. Now, this dog looks like a real dog. Every time you come home, it wags its tail and barks because it's happy to see you and, and it, it it always obeys. It never pees on the carpet, it never chews your shoes, it can throw, you know, run and get the frisbee and bring it back. Question: Will you feel loved by that dog? No. Why? Well, because you know it's programmed, it doesn't really need or desire you at all. Now if, if you wanted to take a little more risk for the sake of love, you could get a real pet, right? You might think about getting a cat, but you're thinking about love, so you'd get a dog, right? <laughs> Sorry, cat lovers. I just have to keep my quota up every once in a while, okay? You know I love cats too, kind of. But, you know, a real dog has capacity for relationship that's far greater than a robot dog, but with it comes greater risk. So my dog, TJ, I've told you, is so excited to see me every day when I come home. He wags his tail and it spins. When, when I hug my wife, he barks and jumps up to get in on the action. He's a jealous dog, too, right? And, and, and he, he loves... He loves us, and he's he's brought this greater capacity for love. Now, not as great as my children, but he has. We, We love TJ. Now, but with him has come a greater capacity for suffering. Because my dog is disobeyed. He's peed on the carpet. He's chewed shoes. He's destroyed clothes. He has a will of his own, I tell you. His master, he knows has said, okay, on every piece of furniture you can sit or lie, but on my bed thou shalt not go. For in the day you go on my bed, you shall surely die. He knows I've said that, right? And yet I found him not only on my bed, but rubbing his back in my pillow. Didn't help that my wife and my son were laughing, but that's another issue of free will we'll deal with later. He has, my dog TJ has disobeyed. He's gone and picked fights with boxers, which is just stupid, he's this tall. He almost got killed, that would have caused untold suffering for my son and my daughter. In his old age now, he barks at me all night long to get up and take him out. I thought I was a master, no, he's got me very well trained. I get almost no sleep, it's like having a newborn kid. But is it worth the risk? Yes, we love TJ, love is always worth the risk. Now, let's say all you had is a dog to love. Would that satisfy the deepest needs of your soul? No. No. Because we were designed for a greater capacity of love. And and a human capacity for love goes beyond what a dog can do. A dog can't listen to you. A dog can't understand you. A dog can't empathize or have compassion. You will never feel truly known or loved by a dog. Only humans can do that. But... With a human comes a greater capacity for suffering, right? A dog will never deceive you or cheat you or be unfaithful or turn against you or say hurtful words to you or be manipulative or vindictive or reject or abandon you. They don't have the capacity to do that. That's the risk you take with human relationship, even with having children. But is it worth the risk? Yes. Love is always worth the risk because intrinsically we know it's what we're here for. It's why it matters so much. Now here's the point. Love alone makes sense of suffering. That's what I discovered. Because not even the greatest human love can fully satisfy our deepest needs to be known and understood and loved. God has created us for the divine capacity of love. For his own love. Something even greater is coming. And that's why no love on earth can fully satisfy you. You were made for a divine love, but with it comes the capacity to reject God's love and God's will and disobey. And so we see the capacity of a Mother Teresa to love God and serve him and do his will amidst human suffering, and we see the capacity of a Hitler and a Stalin to reject God and play God and force his will on others. You know, some philosophers estimate that 90 to 95% of human suffering is the result of human free will and choice. It's our choice. I mean, just think about all the pain and suffering of life that would be avoided if we just loved God and loved people according to his will. I mean, think about a world with no pride-driven wars, no divorce, no business-abandoned inner cities, no sexually transmitted diseases or abortions or unwanted children, no drunk driving accidents, no angry, lust driven dads who abuse their children, no hoarding, so there would be no starvation. If pride and selfishness never destroyed a business partnership or a family, if we never cheated or lied or stole from one another, if we never gossiped or backbit bit one another, you know, if kids were never torn down on the playground or mocked or devalued, only encouraged and loved and built up, imagine. No, the truth is human choice causes so much of our pain and suffering. There's a cartoon uh, I saw once with two turtles, and one of the turtles says, you know, sometimes I want to ask God, why does he allow so much poverty and suffering when he could stop it? And the other turtle said, yeah, me too, except I'm kind of afraid God might ask me the same thing. You know, to judge God as unloving and unjust in this evil world, world is a huge tragic mistake when most of it is caused by us ignoring god's will i mean if anything when we realize the evil and suffering of the world it should drive us toward god who loves us and wants to go through it with us to deliver us and help us overcome it okay but some might ask all right but wait if god's all powerful why couldn't he create a loving world without evil and suffering well, see, it's not that God's not powerful enough. College professor and philosopher Peter Kreef from Boston College says it this way It's not logically possible to have free will and no possibility of moral evil. God did not create evil, He created the possibility of evil. People actualize that potentiality. And I'm convinced that God is, in fact, creating a world where there are free will loving creatures and there will never be pain, suffering, or crying again. But we're only in chapter one of the story. And chapter one is all of the tension and we don't like it. So God is creating a world of no suffering, what I came to realize. But to create creatures who will eternally choose to love and follow God of their own free will and not keep causing pain and suffering by turning away, we have to start by living in the knowledge of good and evil. So chapter one of the real story starts with the knowledge of good and evil. This is not quite heaven where God is fully in control and his will is always done and it's not quite hell where God lets us have our own will and ways and never intervenes. We're somewhere in between and we taste a small reduced taste of both. For 70 short years, he allows us to experience tastes of his love and joy and peace and goodness, and tastes of the pain and suffering of a world gone astray. He does it for 70 years to warn us something's wrong. God is missing. God's will and ways are rejected. We need God. Because see, pain and suffering are always a warning. You know, Dr. Paul Brand. Uh, as a doctor who worked among leprosy patients in India. You know, we used to think for thousands of years, we thought leprosy caused, you know, the sores and ulcers on the body and ultimately bones to literally just fall off, arms to fall off of leprosy patients. Dr. Brand discovered something different. He discovered that leprosy doesn't cause that. Leprosy causes you to not feel pain what we would think would be a great benefit to never feel pain actually turns out to be horrible in a broken evil world so one time dr brand was watching and this uh indian man uh this leprosy patient drops his potato in the midst of hot charcoals in a fire and reaches in and pulls it out not even knowing he was burning himself because he felt no pain Another time, Dr. Brand said he was, he was uh, behind the hospital trying to get something out of a shed and the, the lock was rusted and he was turning the key as hard as he could and he couldn't get it to turn and a little 10-year-old leprosy patient came by and he said, let me try. And the little kid turns it and unlocks it in one turn. And Dr. Brand was like, how did you do that? And then he looks at the kid's hands and blood was dripping off his hands. He had gashed down to the bone, but he had no idea because he didn't have pain to signal him something's wrong. And Dr. Brand went from believing that pain was God's biggest mistake to believing it was his greatest mercy. Former atheist and Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis said it this way in his book, The Problem of Pain. If evil is present, then pain at the recognition of evil is relatively good. You know, because evil is no God. And, and without God's ways, just like darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of God and his goodness and his ways. And let's be honest, it's not often that we humans turn to God just out of thanksgiving <laughs> because life's going our way so much, because it's just so good. And, and we feel like, you know, nothing goes wrong and everything we want happens the way we want it. Very few ever turn to him in thanksgiving. You know, I'm in conversation with four men right now trying to convince them they need to seek God. It's worth seeking God. And all four of them keep saying the same thing. I'm just too busy. Really? Doing what? I mean, seriously, what's more important than figuring out why you were created, right? And why life is the way it is. But hey, I can't blame that was me. I was perfectly fine to just go along and, and think, Yeah, maybe there's a God, but who cares? I don't need him. Until my dad started to suffer. And I saw cancer take away my hero. And it made me go, oh, I'm not in control. And what's this all about? Jesus said it this way. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And friends, here's what we have to realize. God loves you and me. He cares about you and me, sometimes more than we do for ourselves. But he, you know, he's not just thinking about us according to how these 70 short years go. And, and when we judge God as unloving, we miss the fact that he's thinking about who, he's made, who we're becoming for eternity, forever. Forever. God sees something so much better than this life will ever give us and he's preparing us for a joy that will last and a love that will satisfy. You know, after doing the the study on Imagine Heaven of all these people who died and came back and had something to say about what they experienced, I am absolutely convinced that the reason God allows this is that we are not in fact temporal creatures, we are eternal creatures. We were created to live forever forever. But he has greatly reduced that experience, both of his love and joy and peace and of the hurt and sorrow and pain of going away from God for a time so that we will choose him, so that we won't make the greatest mistake ever and think that we can actually be okay without the very source of life and love and every good thing. God wants us. And it's why he does the things he does. He loves us more than anybody. Now some would say, okay, but what about evil and suffering that we don't cause? What about the tsunamis and the earthquakes and the disease? Yeah, I've asked that. And why Alzheimer's? It's horrible. Why did my wife suffer for 20 years from chronic migraines? I don't honestly know. Some pain just makes no sense in this world. And you know some people are going to try to tell you they know. You know, well God's trying to teach you a lesson. They don't know. You know, Job's friends tried to do this. They tried to explain to Job why he was suffering so and God rebuked them. He said, "No, you don't understand at all." Jesus was asked the same question. "Rabbi," they said, his disciples asked him, "Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his his sins or his parent's sins? Got to be one. Someone's got to be at fault." It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. There's not always a one-to-one correlation for why people suffer. We live in a broken, chaotic world. God has allowed it to go this way for a while. It's not all according to God's will. Otherwise, why would Jesus teach us to pray, Father, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. It's not done on earth. Things are not the way God will ultimately intend them. But he allows it to go away from him for a short time for a greater good. The creation of an eternal loving family. Romans 8, 18, following says it like this I consider that our present sufferings, they're not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The whole creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. The whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And this is the next thing I realize. Life is a birth canal. This life is a birth canal. God is in the process of birthing eternally free loving creatures where there won't be any more pain or suffering. But the only way for that to happen is we have to start with both the knowledge of good and evil, where we get glimpses of his love and kindness and goodness, but we also feel the pains and the horrors of his absence. God does hide for a time. But you know, he's doing something in it. You know, the angels were created with a free will as well. They were created eternal creatures with a free will, but their choice was an eternal choice to turn away from God, and there's no second chance when there is eternal time. And so God places us in time for a short season and kind of hides so that we have the chance to choose. We get a second chance. The angels don't get a second chance. We get a second and a third and a fourth. For 70 years, we get a chance to try again, even out of our failure. And God even goes beyond that. He even pays for our failure and enters our suffering with us and walks us through it promising that our suffering won't even compare to the reward, to the glory he's gonna give us. You know, Mother Teresa understood this. She knew the horrors of evil uh, human suffering. She said this, in light of heaven, the worst of suffering on earth will be seen as no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. <laughs> think about it like this. You know, think, think about if the first day of 2017 was just a horrific day. Starts off, you have a... A painful root canal that you've been suffering through, you go, you know, and and you get it fixed and it doesn't fix. And on your way home, you end up getting in an accident and you total your car and, you know, you're in the hospital for a few days and then you end up getting fired from your job. And I mean, just that first week is just horrific. It's terrible. As a result, you know, the stock market crashes, you lose your investments. It's just a bad day. It's like, you remember Alexander's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? It's that, all right? But then every other day of the year after those first few days are just amazing. You, you end up, because you lost that other job, you end up with your dream job. You you get promoted. You invent a product that helps millions of people and ends up making you millions of dollars. Time Magazine, as a result, puts you as the cover person on the cover of Time Magazine for all the good you've done for humanity. You meet the love of your life. You fall in love. You get engaged. This has been a banner year. Now, 2018 New Year's Day, someone asks you, what was 2017 like? Are you gonna say, oh, it was just terrible, just horrible, you know? started off so bad. Now you're probably not even gonna remember the first week, right? You're gonna say it was a banner year. Yeah, I had a few bad days. And I'm convinced that is what it's gonna be like the other side of this life. That those bad days, like Paul said, are not even worth comparing to the new life we're gonna experience in God's family forever. And that's the last thing I realized. We overcome suffering By trusting and loving God through it. Pain and suffering do come. Apart from God, just complain, but you're not going to get anything else. But he promises that with him, when we love and trust, when we lean into him, even through it, he sees and it matters and it counts for eternity. It counts for more than anything in this life could ever count for. And God doesn't just stay removed and unaffected. He enters our suffering. Jesus was called the suffering servant. But it wasn't just 2,000 years ago that he entered in. He enters into it with us today. Peter Kreef says it this way. In the end, God's answer to why he allows pain and suffering is personal. He doesn't just allow it. He goes through it with us to overcome it in us. Are you broken? He was broken for us. Are you despised? He was despised and rejected. Do you cry out, why God? He cried out on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do people betray you? He was sold out by a best friend. Do you experience poverty? He had no place to call his home. Do you suffer at the hands of an evil world? He was mocked and shunned and beaten and tortured on a cross saying, father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And his promise is he feels your pain today. You're not alone in it. He does understand. He does care. And he wants to walk you through it to the other side. Look at these promises. Just a few. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Isaiah 63:9, In all their suffering, he also suffered. He personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all those years. Psalm 56.8, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Why? Because he cares. And he promises that when you lean into him and trust him and love him through it, he will reward. You know, Galvin Reed tells a meeting a young man who, at the age of one, fell down the stairs and shattered his back and had been most of his life in and out of hospitals. And, and he said he thought God was fair. And Reed thought that was preposterous. He said, son, how old are you? And the, the kid said, 17. How, how many years have you spent in hospitals? He said, probably 13. He said, how can you say God is fair? And the kid said, well, God has all eternity to make it up to me. And friends, that is his promise. That is his promise. He will overcome it as we love and trust him through it. And God's ultimate answer to suffering is coming. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, he says, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all their sorrows and there will be no more death. For sorrow or crying or pain, for the old world and its evils are gone forever. If you're suffering, if you're in pain, if you're just struggling under the weight of life today, I want to pray for you. But first, I want you to just listen. Let the words of this song speak to you. And then I want to pray for you.
1: to just be strong And it's a fight just to keep it together Together I know you think that you were too far gone But hope is never lost Hope is never lost gonna be okay I know your heart is heavy from those nights but just remember that you are a fighter a fighter you never know just what tomorrow Stronger.
0: You know I want to I want to do something I want to ask you to take a risk if you are just feeling like you've been in suffering and pain maybe just feeling the struggles the weight of this world I want you to understand that you're not alone and so I want to I want to ask if that's you and you want prayer would you just stand just stand and I'd like to just pray for you and I'd like you to see that you're not alone you know, I'm a pastor. I get to hear from a lot of people. The great secret of humanity is we all think we're alone in our struggles and our trials and our suffering. Evil wants us to think we're all alone, but you're not alone. We're in it together, and God's in it with us. Let's pray. God, I pray for every person standing right now, those who are struggling as well but didn't feel like standing. I get it. God, sometimes this world can be so heavy. Sometimes it can be so brutal. Thank you, Lord, that you do care, that you do love us so. You're not sitting on your hands. You're not saying, suck it up. You're saying, I love you. You're catching every tear in your bottle. You're recording every sad thought in your book because you promise that as we lean into you and we trust you, you're going to take us through to the other side. It's not over. And you promise that there is a reward coming. That all the pain and all the suffering and all the hardship of this life, that when we focused on you, when we keep our eyes on the light, when we walk with you through it, there's great reward coming. It does count. It does matter. And thank you, God. And I pray for every person standing that you would just give them that reassurance today of your great love and your presence with them. And that hope we will get through. We will overcome in Jesus' name.